Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also follow us at bleedcubbyblue.com. And we have content from every episode that we're sharing at our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vianasek, and ugh, <laughs> that's all I got. We can't do 40 minutes of that, so you're going to have to do more. <laughs> Wait a second, hold on a second. I said good morning, and I got a really negative response to that. I tried, <laughs> and you shot me down. So I'm going with, with your lead here, which is ugh. <laughs> okay, fair. I Andy was talking about before the show and she tried to be like a regular human being and I failed. Um mainly because <laughs> I am partially sick and a little cranky. So it's it's like a combination effect. Um and I yeah. <laughs> so I apologize <laughs> to Andy for that. We will and I, I will take care of myself so that I am not sick or cranky the next time we record. <laughs> I, I do have some coffee here. I'm hoping that will kick in and help. I don't really know. Um, so we are recording after a really bad weekend at Wrigley Field where the Cubs were swept by the Cardinals and the Cardinals clinched the division or clinched a playoff berth. They've not actually chased the Brewers out of the division yet. They've chased the Cubs out of the division. Um, but I want to start a little bit differently. So rather than just jumping in on each game and we will, we'll talk about some of the highs and lows from the series. Cause this really was a bit of a roller coaster and there were a lot of historical Cubs things going on. And it was, it was just like a tear your heart out heartbreak in September kind of series. Um, but, I, but I want people who are feeling like I am this morning who are like just wrecked. I want those people to have some context for the fact that like you're feeling heartbroken and horrible um, is actually justified. (laughs) And like the losing that the Cubs have done since that last game of the red series has not just been bad. It has not just been like, Oh, that's baseball. It has actually been historically bad. So the last time the Cubs lost five consecutive games by one run 
was July 21st through 30th, 1915, when they did it six straight times. Uh, that is according to Ble- Bleed Cubby Blue site manager Al Yellen and his recap from yesterday. That team had been in first place two at that time, but wound up 73 and 80. And notice that that losing streak happened in July, not in September. And honestly, like, when if you're feeling like your heart has been ripped out and stomped on by losing five straight games by one run, where the Cubs have had the lead or were tied in all of them but one, then you... Frankly, you're correct. <laughs> that was really hard. That was like emotional roller coaster hard baseball. I don't even know what to to add to that. I mean, <laughs> obviously I live in St. Louis. This week is not going to be one of my most fun weeks ever. Um, my whole thing is, yeah, it's justified. But was it preventable? Probably not. I mean, who knows? Who knows at this point? Um, it, it just, you look back at a couple of the key moments when things could have went a different direction. We very easily could have taken three out of four of those games, if not swept um, very easily. But this 2019 Cubs team just really, I mean, it, it, just when you think they're, even more unpredictable than you can imagine. They, 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 they're like, here, hold my beer. We're going to, we're going to do something more to be a little bit more unpredictable because it just, you, you didn't see much of this coming. You saw like yesterday, for example, you Darvish pitching into the ninth. I'm like, yes, thank you. Nobody can ring my doorbell and sweep my porch because that's what happened last night after this series. But we'll talk about that later. And then you Darvish. the ways each of these games broke our hearts in detail. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, that was just one that you felt like really we had a chance to walk away with at least one win. And it just, once again, just ripped out from underneath us. So yeah, it, it's really hard emotionally. Like you hate it because you know that this team can do so much better. And, and you know, we really legitimately wanted to see that happy ending and that, you know, where we pull it out and we're able to do something amazing. And now you just feel like, geez, I just, you know, can we just win a couple games before the end of the season? Well, I think, I think they have a good shot to win a few games against the pirates at least. Um, But we'll get into that in a minute. I um, let's start with game one since otherwise we're just going to wind up referencing different things from these games and not go in order, which is kind of hard. I I think that is kind of like how our show rolls here at the moment. Um, So the the most awesome thing with this game way back on Thursday when before I'd aged like 10 years um, (laughs) was Anthony Rizzo's improbable comeback. And so I went to this game um, with our friend Ken Schultz, I was sitting in the left field bleachers and, and I was a little bit late to the game because the game was on Fox rather than the traditional Chicago stations. And um, they started we, at a weird time. They started about an hour early and with work and everything, it was hard for me to get down there. So when I'm walking into the bleacher entrance about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes before game time, Ken sent me this picture of Anthony Rizzo running in the outfield and totally suited up. And I just took that to mean that he was available in the game and was shocked that he wasn't in the boot. And we, when I got to our seats over by Al, I was sort of like, oh, my God, I can't believe Anthony Rizzo is already out of that boot. What is going on? But neither of us expected him to be announced as the leadoff batter. Neither of us expected him to be playing. And frankly, I don't think anybody from the Cubs, uh, like that was a well-kept secret because the lineup wasn't even changed until after it was announced at Wrigley, which look for as hard as it was to lose all these games, I've never seen a comeback like what Rizzo did on Thursday night at Wrigley field. And it's one of the greatest things that I've ever seen. I mean, if that doesn't tell you like what kind of teammate, what kind of person Rizzo is like, just knew that, you know, we have to win these games now. We have to do it, and I have to do whatever I can to to help that happen. 
I'm going to play. I, I mean, it, to me, I was just, I was cringing because A, you like, oh God, is he doing further damage? Like, is he going to be okay? Like he could barely run down the baseline. Um, you know, when, when the Cardinals bunted in that game, I was just, I closed my eyes. I'm like, oh, I can't even watch. Like this is, this is not going to be pretty. It was scary. It was really scary. Like very commendable. Obviously he is an amazing teammate. He put aside probably a, a lot of pain and, um, what he had to go through for the innings he played to, to be able to be out there. I, I don't even know. I don't even want to think about it, but I mean, that was amazing. It was really, you really felt like that was something special that was going to bring us, you know, hopefully a, a good burst of energy, a good bur burst of something. And uh, unfortunately it didn't go that way, but um, yeah, that was, I, I have a feeling we'll be talking about that for a long time to come. Yeah, it was, it was kind of wild. And I like, you know, in retrospect, wonder if maybe he could have come into the game later or something like that. But obviously what he said after the game was that he didn't feel like this team had a couple days for him to get slightly better and that they needed him in the lineup then. And frankly, Anthony Rizzo had a great series. He was on base all the time. Um, he did not hit a leadoff home run on Thursday. He saved the home run for the third inning. I, you know, and I, I was actually a little cranky at some of the bunting and, and don't get me wrong. I understand how the game is played. So please don't come at me and my Twitter mentions about like, it's strategic. Um, it's one thing when like, it's a bunting situation. And so you bunt at Anthony Rizzo and that's fine. And he has a hard time fielding it because he's hurt. It's quite a different thing when you are lead off Matt Carpenter bunting down the first baseline because you on the first pitch or lead off or I'm sorry, two out Paul DeJong bunting towards Rizzo with nobody on. I'm just like, gee, thanks. I, I appreciate you Cardinals for just proving you will try to exploit somebody whose heart is bigger than yours. Yeah. And one thing I want to say about this that really um, rattled me pretty good. And I definitely took to Twitter the next morning is um, I listen to St. Louis sports radio on the way to work every morning. I'm sure you've heard me say before, and um, I'm not even going to say his name. It's not even worth mentioning, but the personality I was listening to that morning, the first thing I heard when I turned on the radio was him like mocking Cubs fans or Cubs announcers or whoever and saying, oh my God, Rizzo is the greatest human being. That injury wasn't faked at all. Like talking like that, mocking us about the Anthony Rizzo injury, saying that he felt like it was faked so that he could make this huge comeback and be the storyline. And just going on and on and on about how it's not a big deal. People do it all the time and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, dude, seriously? Like, I was burning. I was, I was really angry about that. I've never been so mad at listening to the radio. And I, I just, to me, I'm like to just, I get that radio is entertainment and I get that you need to appeal to your listeners or attract more listeners or whatever else. And I also understand in St. Louis talking negatively about the Chicago Cubs is what gets you that rating. You know what? That's fine. You know, we, we live rent free in your guys' heads 24 seven, but it's it's also it shows what kind of character or lack thereof about a person to talk that way about somebody who obviously was injured. If you paid any kind of attention, you could easily pull up the highlights of when it happened. It was not faked. You're crazy. I, we were at the game. We saw it. I mean, it was it just ugh, made me so angry. Like I, I I think that was the first time I really got emotional listening to the radio in St. Louis. I was like very upset. Like that was just uncalled for. Yeah, that's I frankly it's it's not true. So whatever person or people have jobs in the St. Louis radio media market to speculate on whether or not Anthony Rizzo was actually injured, you are making up random stories. Um but beyond that, I that was all heart. That was all heart right there. He was clearly hurt pretty badly. Most of us thought his season was over. I've never seen Anthony Rizzo in that much pain. And there's no world where Anthony Rizzo would have sat out those Reds games for a PR stunt. That's not a thing that people do. Um, 
it's pretty obvious that he was playing through quite a bit of pain um, this weekend. And frankly, if I had my way and I had priorities for the offseason that I could just like, you know, somehow memo to the Cubs front office staff, one of them would be that Rizzo would be a Cub for life. And that would be the end of story. So that man deserves a contract that keeps him in Chicago for the duration of his time playing baseball. Um, yeah, if, if that, if you didn't feel that way before this series, you most definitely feel that way now. I mean, and I, I would love to know who didn't feel that way before, but I think that's one of those things you don't see very many people say that, um, like on social media or whatever, but I think that's just because it's kind of a given, you know, like, obviously he is somebody that we want around for a very long time. And I, I, I feel like my personal opinion, I feel like he is one that we don't have to worry about. I, I feel like that they will not, not do us wrong in this sense. And, and he will be a cub for life, but that's just my opinion. I just, I just feel like that's, that's a given, but we'll see. Yeah. So Theo, get that done. Um, overlooked in this game because Anthony Rizzo came back in like such dramatic fashion Javier Baez showed up as a pinch runner in the late innings. And honestly, I think that part of the reason the Cubs were able to tie it up in the ninth was because Javi was on the base paths and really, I mean, he just, he didn't do anything particularly chaos generating at that time, but it was, he was a nice person to have in that spot running. And you just knew that that run was going to score if it was at all possible. And it did. And I, it was so nice to see Javier Baez back. Well, let me just say that I have um, the unfortunate, um, I, I don't want to say pleasure because that's not the, the right word, but I have to listen to the St. Louis broadcast, obviously, when St. Louis plays Chicago. So I get to hear a little bit more of what they're thinking, how they're feeling, that sort of thing. And let me just tell you, when Javi Baez came in to run, that was on their radar more than the batter. That was on their radar more than anything. Like, that's all they could talk about. So just the fact that Javi Baez was on the ba- on on base, whether or not he was able to create chaos or anything like that, just the fact that he was in their heads as somebody who can do that, I think was enough to disrupt the the game plan right then. And he, I, you know, it was it was also very uplifting to see him come into the game. I think my tears, my eyes welled up a little bit with tears, and it's just one of those things where you're like, gosh, you know, if we were right, if this team was right, and 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 injuries didn't get in the way. And I hate saying that because I know every team goes through the injury thing at some point throughout the season. But, you know, the Cubs got hit pretty hard at the end of this season. And I really feel like had it gone differently, you know, it, things would look a lot different right now. But again, it was it was amazing to see Javier Baez come into the game in any aspect and, and run the bases. And it was also really nice to hear the the Cardinals announcers be very well aware of what he can do. Yeah, Javi, I think, was in the – I mean, it was pretty obvious he was in the heads of every person out on those fields, and I and I love it. I, I look forward to him coming back at full strength for 2020. Um, Kimbrell came into this game in the 10th with it tied, and I understand you're supposed to use your best guy there, and Kimbrell is your best guy. I've said before on this show that non-save situation Kimbrell is not my favorite in any way, shape, or form, and – he was non-save situation Kimbrel here. Like I sort of wish that they would have gone to Rowan Wick in this situation and just, I don't know. I, I get it. You're supposed to use your best guy. You don't want to leave your best guy on the bench and we'd be second guessing this if Rowan Wick had given anything up either, but I didn't like Kimbrel in the ninth inning here uh, or in the 10th inning, excuse me. It was the high, tie game in the 10th. Um, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, on paper, he's supposed to be our best guy, but I don't feel like he is our best guy. He's got great stuff, but he's just not been consistent. <clears throat> I don't put that on anybody. Um, you know, I, I feel bad for him because obviously he's used to a certain level of performance uh, that he's able to come in and do. And, and you know, his numbers this season are very indicative of how long of a season he's had or how short of a season he's had. Um you know, I really thinking back and looking back, you really I didn't really make a push or really like call for them to make any kind of deals in the off season. You kind of thought he was going to be overpaid or whatever else. But um, 
it probably would have made more sense and probably would have worked out differently if we would have had Craig Kimbrell the whole season. I mean, that's all in hindsight. We have no idea. We have no idea if right. that's actually how it would have worked. But um, I just, I don't, his numbers this year just don't, are, are not reflective of the kind of pitcher he was before this year. So you you have to wonder if that took a toll on him and, and his arm and everything else. And it was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. You really felt like we had this had this game sealed up. You know, he's going to get three three easy outs, three quick outs, and we're going to come out and do something in the bottom of the tenth. And for him to do that was just it, it, it was hard. It was really hard to watch. And and you know, the, I feel like there was definitely other options, but again, they're all you know they're all question marks. We we we're not confident a hundred percent in anybody coming out of that bullpen these days. And, and so you know, it was just one of those things. I don't feel like he was the best, but you know, on paper, again, like I said, I, I think, yeah, in that situation, you kind of had to go with him. And unfortunately it just didn't work out in our favor. Yeah. I mean, I can't really say it better than that. Um, I will say that the comeback in the ninth inning get, rejuvenated my faith in this team. I was really, really down in like the eighth inning. And I wrote about this for the site, so you can go find that. I don't need to talk about it here, but I, I had a moment of hope, and honestly, that hope kind of went up and down all weekend in a way that was super crazy. And I actually feel like the emotional roller coaster I've been on all weekend is part of what's making me feel sick to my stomach today. I don't think it has anything to do with like, you know, actual like I have the flu or anything. I'm just emotionally exhausted <laughs> from this team. Um, Game two was probably the most boring game. I was um, at this game with a friend of mine who was at her first trip at Wrigley Field. I mean, they lost 2-1. They walked a bunch of guys, gave up a one-run lead. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It was I, – I really um, – was actually, was it 2-1? I don't even remember. All I know – is this was the most boring game to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were winning going into the top of the sixth, and that's when they scored their two. Right. And yeah. it was 2-1, right? Am I making yes. that up? Okay. Yes. I'm like, no. it's been a long weekend. Um, yes. Yeah. So the Cubs were up one to nothing, and then it was 2-1. to one. <laughs> And then that was just basically it. It felt like the offense couldn't do a lot during this game, which was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, for other having nine guys, hits, other than leave guys on base, this was Ant probably right. right. That's what the I was worst say. game for that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, they had so here's here's a number though that is a little jarring. So game two, we had eighteen left on base. The Cardinals had twenty six left on base. So yeah, we definitely had opportunities, and we just couldn't we couldn't manufacture anything. It was just one of those games where it just was not going to happen, but. I mean, you know, and, and really what really kind of twists the dagger a little bit is they only had four hits. So, yeah, it, it's just another painful game. I mean, Mills really gave us a, a halfway decent start and, and did well. He had six strikeouts, you know. So, honestly, and, you know, I, I'm, I might get I might get taken down for saying this, but I feel like he gave us a better start than Hamels would have. I feel like Hamels would have given up more runs earlier. So, um there's that if you want any kind of silver lining on this game. Yeah, Mills did exactly what they were asking him to, and you can't really ask for anything more than that. Frankly, he's been pretty good in those spot start situations for a while now, and I wouldn't mind seeing him get a look um, for maybe the fifth spot in the rotation in 2020, particularly if he has a good spring training. I think he's been solid there. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's the case. Um, I feel like this is probably uh, one of those like um, working audition type things just to see what he was able to do. And um, I was actually loving what I saw and, and he, he was definitely solid. And I feel like he gave us a better start than Cole Hamels could have at this point. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate what he did and um you know, they only had four hits. So, it, you know, he definitely was doing something right. And I don't know if that's lack of scouting or what that is, but I, I was happy to see him have a successful outing. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
game three was okay so before we get to like the craziness of game three which this is one of the crazier baseball games i've ever seen uh this was also the last home game being televised on wgn and that is just like a whole other level of like end of an era type of stuff going on this weekend that really made me kind of an emotional wreck i don't know about you but the um so there was all this wgn stuff there's been some awesome commercials celebrating the like years decades that the cubs have been on wgn and they they have another broadcast because they're one of the Cardinals games at least is broadcast on WGN next week. So it's not the final, final broadcast, but we're getting there. We're getting really close. And I just, man, seeing w, WGN uh, Cubs game at Wrigley Field for the last time, kind of, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass this over to you so I don't cry again. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a hard time. I had a really hard time. There's um, so many things that you know, I think of when I think about WGN and yeah, that was a, I did not. So my problem here was I did not get to watch it on WGN. So that was tough because I knew what was going on and I knew that it was the last broadcast and I wasn't going to get to see it, which kind of was a blessing and a curse because I, you know, I knew I would have just been crying the whole time. I'm struggling to, to not cry right now. It's really it's one of those things where you don't know any other way, you know? So it's like hard to imagine how I'm going to consume Cubs baseball without WGN. Um, And I don't think that I ever really realized that I would have to figure, like I would have to do that. You know what I mean? So it definitely, it's going to be weird and it's going to be strange and change is always tough. And it's something that we knew for so long. And it's the reason why many of us are Cubs fans. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Saying goodbye is always hard. And to then realize that we have to to figure out, you know, a new normal. It's just weird. I know that sounds super dramatic, but really, I feel like I'm echoing the sentiments of a lot of Cubs fans. I think people didn't really realize that it was coming so soon and that, they would feel the way that they did probably on Saturday. So um, very sad day, a very frustrating day for me, because of course I wanted to, to be able to see some of the things that they were doing and playing. And I'm stuck in St. Louis where I had to watch the St. Louis broadcast. They did mention it quite a few times and they did speak highly of the folks that, um, you know, had to do with all of it and, and everything else. So that part was nice, but I still really wished I could have been on the other side watching. So um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to, to move on, but you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, the times are changing. And unfortunately this is just another reminder of that. I I don't like change. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. And there's going to be a lot of it coming. So this game, I, I'm not, we're not, I, I'm not doing that today. Sorry. We can do that. <laughs> we have a whole off season to do. I'm not, I'm, I'm serious. Like That's we have fine. a whole off season to do that. And I am just like, I honestly hate those conversations. So um, we can do that later. Uh, the There was some crazy back and forth in this game. I, I do want to say a couple of things. So if you ever thought Tony Kemp was going to hit a clutch home run to give the Cubs a lead late in September against the Cardinals, I just, I want to see receipts because you better have a screenshot of that. <laughs> I don't think that there's probably anybody that you're talking to right now. <laughs> that was so wild. I don't think anybody ever thought that. <laughs> no, that, that, that was great. It was a beautiful thing. Um, Kimbrel came in in a safe situation. And, and I want to be really clear about one thing, because I know everybody was like, oh, my God, that he gave up two home runs on back-to-back pitches. And I get it. That is bad. That Yachty home run should not have happened. It was four inches above the zone. I don't know how he hit that ball as far as he did. Like, I look, I that's not a, and I don't mean this in like a, that's, that shouldn't happen because I'm a Cubs fan. And I don't mean this in a, that, that shouldn't happen because I don't like Yachty. I mean that in a, based on the placement of that ball, how it was moving and where it was in the zone, it should physically not be possible to hit that ball that far. 
that ball is designed to be popped up or fouled off, if anything. Yeah, I don't know. I listen. I'm still, I'm still kind of on the whole balk situation because they, of course, when I say they, I'm talking about the St. Louis announcers went to town on that and how that should have never even happened. So um, it should have never been a top of the ninth comeback. It, you know that I mean that was kind of the the dialogue here. So. Yeah, it's craziness to me. And of course, Yadi after the game made mention of the fact that he's played in Wrigley what feels like as much as almost Bush. So he knows he knows the trajectories of the park and oh, he knows please. the wind patterns. And I'm okay. like, really? Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I live I know. here and I don't know the wind patterns. It's Chicago. Well, like. <laughs> I mean, it's from one inning to the next. You can't act like you know how that's going to work. Like, seriously. (laughs) Yadier Molina, wind whisperer, whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the Bach was weird. I I guess I didn't really think about that that much. I I get that it gave Tony Kemp his next swing, which happened to be the home run. Um, Bachs are oftentimes weird. (laughs) It's just one of those things. Um, I will also say that the other home run that was super improbable in this game. Ozuna hit a ball that was about 18 inches off the ground a really long way. And that's another ball that is not designed to be hit like that unless you are Vladimir Guerrero senior. So look, it was just one of those games. There's, it was one of those games where it was going, the ball was doing weird things and the wind was blowing out. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I'm fine with leaving it there too. (laughs) Um, you know what? So I know that we still have one more game to talk about. We will. We're actually time-wise, we should take a quick break for our sponsors and then we'll come back and talk about game four, the Cubs series with the Pirates and anything else we feel like talking about on this off day Monday. But first a word from our sponsors. Okay. And we're back. Game four. I just want to say you Darvish is a champion and he has been so incredibly good in the second half here that I just can't even tell you how impressed I am with him. He had another start yesterday where he was just dealing, just absolutely dealing. And I, I think Jordan Bastian had something up that he's the first Cubs pitcher like ever to record multiple games with 11 strikeouts or more in a row. Like he just looked so good. And I'm glad he came out for the ninth inning, particularly since Kimbrell probably wasn't available. And frankly, did anyone want to see Kimbrell at that point in the game? Did you really want to like hand the ball off to Rowan Wick when you Darvish was at 96 pitches and the bullpen has been a dumpster fire all week? No, nobody did. Um, And Almora should have been playing deeper because that triple was all about where Almora started. I am still so very angry about this game. Um, You Darvish deserved better, deserved better. I mean, how are you going to have that line and get a loss? Like 12 strikeouts again, um, only gave up seven hits, which over nine innings or eight and two thirds innings is eight and one third. Sorry. is not, crazy three run three earned runs okay but 12 strikeouts guys and his stuff is not I mean I had to hear over and over again about how he is wild how he is he has control issues and he has walk issues he had zero walks he had zero walks I mean his stuff is crazy good he is definitely the ace of this staff he deserved better I was so, so, oh my gosh, just outraged at the play in center field. That is a ball that Almora catches probably eight out of 10 times. And of course, one of the two times that he wouldn't catch that would be on Darvish's amazing start. I just feel so bad for him. You know that he probably took that very hard. He took the blame for that. Obviously, there was situations back in the game, the home run he gave up, that he probably feels like he shouldn't have or could have avoided that. Um, it just, it, it's it's so hard to watch these games. You have somebody like Nicholas Castellanos, who 
we're all hoping and praying at this point that he remains a Cub. But, you know, he's playing his last game at Wrigley for the season, which he has had just massive, ridiculous numbers. You know, he's playing with all kinds of heart and had an amazing game, two for four. Rizzo, who still, you know, has his leg taped together, two for four. You know, it, it just, it's so frustrating. It's so very frustrating. Nine hits again, and we can only muster out two runs. It's just, yeah, it, it, games like this are really hard to swallow and really hard to kind of move on for. For me, anyways, obviously, I didn't play the game, so hopefully these guys are better at it than I am. But it's just one of those things where you get a start like that. And, you know, and I think probably what made put the salt in the wound for me was just having to listen to these announcers in St. Louis talk about how Darvish has struggled with control issues and walk issues. And I'm like, you know, okay, that's fine. If you did your research and that's what you think, please give us some numbers to back that up. Tell us something. Tell us how many, how many walks he's had since July 2nd. Tell us that. How about that number? That might indicate how, how much trouble he's had with, with walking and control. It just, to me, it, that it was like, come on, man, he's pitching amazing. You know, they were talking about, he went three and zero on a couple batters and and came back and struck both of them that I can remember out, and did not even mention about how his stuff was so good and so nasty. And I'm like, come on, man! If you're watching the same guy, the same game I'm watching, you know, you're gonna rag on this dude and talk about his control issues, but he came back on two guys from three and zero and struck them out looking. At least yeah. give him some credit, you know. At least say that his stuff, if nothing more than what you're watching is is good because it, it it was it was amazing he did so good he deserved better uh yeah his stuff was outstanding one of those th- comebackers from 3-0 was against Matt Carpenter and he struck him out on a knuckle curve that he learned from Craig Kimbrell last month I mean there's no other pitcher in baseball that can really do that and I Darvish definitely deserved better um the other thing that happened in this game that of course it did Chris Bryant um, sprained his ankle charging down the line. I mean, he rolled his ankle in a way that looks very similar to what happened to Rizzo a few days ago and was carried off in similar fashion. And I look, here's the thing. Like I get it. It's a rivalry. Everybody is going to cheer for their people. I probably, I mean, I cheer for my people. Cardinals fans cheer for their people. It's fine. But I never want to hear another person laugh when a player falls down and could be hurt. Because that's what I heard yesterday at Wrigley Field from some of the Cardinals fans who were like, oh, he fell down. And I'm like, he's literally hurt. And like I, maybe it was funny to you. I don't know. Like maybe it didn't occur to you that perhaps Chris Bryant didn't fall down and could have been hurt. But that just seemed so. All I can do is sigh. Like I don't even. Keep it, keep it classy, baseball fans. Just keep it classy. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That honestly doesn't surprise me. I've seen a lot of baseball at Bush Stadium more than I care to admit, but it it just doesn't surprise me for for fans that you know. And I'm generalizing, obviously, because I know that there are folks that are genuinely understand that I know the game of baseball and can have an educated conversation with me about baseball and, and respect what I know. But there's also folks that don't have a freaking clue about the game of baseball, but will sit in the stands and talk what they need to talk and, 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 and be ignorant, if you will. I don't like using that word. It sounds so negative, but really ignorant. I mean, they really don't take the time to, to know anything or ask questions about other teams or anything like that. But I've heard very similar reactions in the stands at Bush, you know, and like I said, I'm generalizing. But when I go to games the majority of my time in a different city, and that's constantly what I hear and things like that are what I witness, then that's, of course, what I'm going to generalize the base as. You know what I mean? So right. it just, it's really it, it really doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. And I can... It's funny because, again, I'm generalizing. I'm admitting that I'm generalizing, but I can almost picture the kind of fan that said what you heard. I mean, it just, to me, it's really, even just as, it, not even as a baseball fan, but as a human being with any decency who sees something like this, you know, don't, don't, don't be ignorant. Don't say stuff out loud, especially you're at a visiting field. You know, have, just have, some, I mean, if you were in, Philadelphia or New York or LA, 
they don't take so kindly to stuff like that. <laughs> like that's true. Stuff goes sideways real quick when you say stuff like that. And obviously, you know, Chicago is a different city. It is a rivalry. It's not as heated as other rivalries as I've seen. But don't be ignorant. I mean, that's, you know, somebody's well-being that you're talking about. I can't, I can honestly say there's never been a point in any baseball game against any team, whether I like them, don't like them, respect them, don't respect them, whatever, where I have chuckled or made a remark about someone getting hurt. I mean, I know how, how, how defeating and damaging and dangerous the game can be and what can happen you know I would never make a comment like that regardless of how much I despise the other team or even the player it just it's it, it's just something you don't do I would never even say it about Ryan Braun if that I was just gonna say I wouldn't even like laugh at Ryan Braun getting hurt like right. the time that there was that time where Ryan Braun like swung at a pitch or something and fell over and it was pretty funny, but like he wasn't hurt. He literally just like swung himself into the ground and was kind of sitting there with a look on his face like, how did I do that? And it was funny. I laughed at that, but I've never laughed if there was like a thought in my head that Ryan Braun could be hurt on a play. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, so it's just funny because, you know, they're, they're very quick to, to claim to be the best fans in baseball, but you have things like that happen where it's like, you know, that's fine. You can crown yourself if you want, but that's your world. That's not the real world. (laughs) Well, and the best fans in baseball have been giving my Twitter mute mute button a workout today because I had, I had zero patience for it. I was like, mute, mute, mute. Like I am not, nope. (laughs) I am not engaging with all of this nonsense. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, let's not let's like not sugarcoat things here. Um, the Cubs playoff odds are infinitesimal, even for the wild card at this point, because the Brewers kept winning. Because um, of course they did. So, even if they go in and sweep the Pirates, they they need some help here. They need other teams to lose if they're going to have any shot at the second wild card. And frankly. I don't, I don't, I don't know what would happen there. Um, the Pirates are, in fact, still the Pirates, and the Cubs did score forty-seven runs off them less than a week ago. That is still the same team that we cheer for all the time. They could do that again. They could absolutely go into Pittsburgh and just unleash an offensive fury on the Pirates. Um, who knows? What do you think, Andy, about this Pirate series? Well. I know that this sounds like a defeatist attitude and I'm okay with that because at this point in time, and this is not going to be a popular opinion, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I would like to see them just have a little fun and enjoy the last few games. I do not want to see this team go to the playoffs in either the first or second wild card spot. I do not. That would be even more painful than what we're going through right now, because I just don't think that there would be, there we wouldn't be watching a whole lot. I don't think Um, this is my opinion, please. I'm sure this is not Sarah's opinion, but this is my opinion. I feel like the season ending the way that it's ending thus far up to this point where we all have this, you know, feeling of, of doom and gloom. and, And it just, we wake up today and just like, wish it was a dream type thing or a nightmare rather. Um, I feel like this is going to force a lot of things, which obviously I won't use the C word because Sarah doesn't want to talk about that today, but I feel like this is going to force the hand of the front office and you're going to see some things move in different directions that probably needed to do so before this season. Mm. Um, Not a whole lot that probably we're going to love. Maybe a few things that we'll love, but I think all things that will be necessary eventually. And again, we don't like change the C word. Um, but sometimes it is necessary to to work with what you have and and move in a direction you want to move into. And being that we have 2020 and 2021 before, you know, we can really see the, the possibility of, of people moving on. It, we have to, you know, we have to just work with what we have and and make some some significant changes that can hopefully put us in the right direction because. This year, we just didn't see a team that I, I mean, I felt like we had that opportunity to to go far and possibly do some damage in the playoffs. And now I'm just kind of to the point where I'll be happy that if this team can field nine 
major league starters. <laughs> so I, I want to be really clear about something. It's not that I like think this team is going to stay the same, nor do I think that everybody who is like in the positions that they're in right now should be in, like should stay in those positions for 2020. I definitely do not. I just get the off season chatter of like moving everybody where everybody becomes cuttable and everybody thinks there's a, G- they're a GM who understands like, I don't know. I, I think we're like two weeks away from the conversations where people start talking about the packages they want for Javi Baez and how he's not really a shortstop because he's too flashy and won't make those plays forever. And that I find exhausting. Yeah. No. Not, it, it, I, like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm totally here for conversations of like, look, everybody is tradable and they, the front office will listen to the right offer for these guys, but don't kid yourself and think that there are packages available that are at the value level that the front office has for some of these players. And, and this is the last thing I will say about this, because this is the part of the conversation that is guaranteed to drive me the most batty, not because it's not going to happen, just because it's the way people talk about it is going to drive me insane. Like I get that the there should be changes and this team has underperformed now for two years, but you could name a lot of reasons for that, that some of which have to do with the false sense of urgency that this front office has imposed from the top by not extending Joe Madden, by telling them that it's September and March, by doing all of the things that undid the very great mental skills work that Ken Revisa was known for that kept this team fresh and better down the stretch than most other teams. And that has frankly been absolutely, no pun intended, maddening to me. And I don't think any of that is Joe Madden's fault. But Joe Madden is going to get the blame for it, despite the fact that there is no better managerial out- option out there. And that is obnoxious to me. So it's not so much that I like don't understand changes coming. It's that I'm really, the hot takes are going to kill me. Like I'll stay on Twitter because I love y'all, but the hot takes are going to kill me. No, yeah. And that's completely understandable, especially for somebody who's so knowledgeable about all aspects of that it's it's tough to swallow. And I don't even know that I fully understand. I don't get much into the contracts and that sort of thing. I obviously will look at the money and I'll do comparisons. But like, I just, that to me is, that's, I love the numbers. I do appreciate the numbers, but I'm not a numbers person. That's just not my area. That's why Sarah and I work because she's the numbers <laughs> person. I leave that on her. Um, it, it To me, it's just more of coming to terms with, what reality is going to be. And I think it probably should have happened before this season. Um, But I don't, you know, I I also like, it scares the bejesus out of me to think about what possibly could be coming. But at the same time, you know, I lived through Derek Lee leaving, you know, like that was hard for me. (laughs) Derek Lee was like, not a real, like, Derek Lee was a free agent signing, right? Like the, the, the person who left that like got me that was like, I can't do this was Mark Grace. Cause Mark Grace oh, was yeah. a cub for a decade. Yeah. And the cub yeah. and wanted to stay a cub for the last season of his career and they didn't sign him. Yeah. And and frankly, that's the only season. That's the only season where I have cheered against the Cubs in a game that mattered late. And it was because they were playing a really important series against the Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks won the World Series that year. But it was like one of those who needs the edge more. And I cheered for the Diamondbacks in the series in the second half. And I don't regret it at all because Mark Grace got his ring. And frankly, I wanted Mark Grace to get his ring. Right. And the Cubs, I didn't think we're going to do it that year. And they didn't. Um, but I like that's that's the type of thing I'm talking about here, because the players that people are going to be talking about here and I haven't thankfully have not heard anybody try to like say oh what what could we get for Rizzo because that would be a really seriously bad take but that's the level <coughs> we're at here we're talking about young guys who could be franchise guys who are an extension away from being like who is your core that you're keeping for 10 years out of this group because there are a few guys right there probably are two to four and that includes Hendricks who signed his extension last year it includes Rizzo who has his like deal, his team friendly deal coming to an end, but we've already talked about how he should be a cub for life. And it includes a couple of more guys. And we'll talk about that all off season. I just am, I'm really, really not looking forward to the week and a half of trying to put the, put what is ultimately, in my opinion, a bunch of missteps by the front office on Joe Madden. 
Um, I've already got some pieces in the work to look at this in different ways because I'm I'm kind of annoyed by it, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is it, it's going to be an interesting off season. But like I said, I just I don't feel like this is a team that could make any sort of noise in the in a wild card spot. So I almost feel like to finish off this season, I think it needs to be about fun and celebration and what the highs of this season. Yes, this sucks. This is not where I envisioned myself at the beginning of this season. I really figured I'd be getting out my long sleeve Cubs gear right now and it's not happening. So I just, you know, rather than really be focused on the negative and be so Debbie Downer. I'm I'm trying to stay positive and remember some of the amazing things that have come from this season. You know, namely you Darvish has emerged as such a dominant pitcher as the guy that we signed, you know, Nicholas Castellanos is somebody I want to see in a Cubs uniform for a very long time. Um, you know, Jason Hayward just continues to be a bright spot and has kind of had people shut up this year, which has been very much appreciated. I mean, there's just so many things that we can focus on. And the bottom line is we get to cheer for this team every single day. Yeah. Some days it's really hard. Some days it, it's much more of a challenge to find positive things to talk about and much more of a challenge to be positive about um, our outlook you know, long-term or for the rest of the season, whatever. It's, it's a challenge some days. But I mean, think about all the memories that we have as far as not having a hope in the world about not even being a 500 team about not having consecutive winning seasons. So we have come a really long way. And I, I will admit I have become a very spoiled fan by the last couple seasons. My expectations are very high and to have the team that we have on paper. I don't think that I'm in the wrong to have high expectations However, baseball is going to baseball and things happen and it doesn't always go the way that it's supposed to go on paper. So the best way to look at it is I, 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 I'm not even going to say it. I'll wait until another episode to say it. But the best way to look at it is, you know, stuff is going to happen. Stuff is going to change. You know, things will probably go in different directions and um, we'll have a, a, a new look team to hopefully, you know, do something different next year. Okay, well, that's a preview of what you'll get to hear weekly from Cup of Cubby Blue in the offseason, um, at least after the playoffs are over, which we'll have we'll have lots of fun tips for hate watching the playoffs. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> we will we are not done, however, yet for the regular season in 2019. So the Cubs have three games against the Pirates starting on Tuesday. Those games are in Pittsburgh. Uh, Andy and I will be back to talk about those games on Thursday and then we have one more series in St. Louis because of course we do and we will come at you with everything you need to know about that series and a wrap-up of it as well um as always you can follow us on at cup of cubby blue you can follow Andy at briz b-r-y-z underscore blue or Sarah at b-c-b underscore Sarah and we will talk to you again on Thursday have a good one bye